There was a, uh, a verse of scripture that I came across this week in my devotions. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And the way that my reading goes, I have, I have marked in my, in my Bible, um, it's like every, almost every third verse, um, not verse, third chapter, I have a little mark. And what I do is when I have my devotions, I, I stop at those different marks. And that's where I spend my day reading, just up to that, that little bit. Well, this, this week, as I was reading my, the scriptures, this last verse, I mean, John, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, was actually the last verse of my three-chapter area, which is kind of weird. The break is actually at the, at the, the second verse. But this, this verse just gripped my soul, and, and I've been meditating on it, and I wanted to share with you some of the thoughts that I've had from it. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I, it's a simple, simple statement. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now, my first thought when I was meditating and chewing on this was, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't do the cleansing. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Matt, I mean, First Thessalonians chapter chapter four. Let's go. Let's turn there real quick. First Thessalonians. Uh, I can't get my fingers to work this morning. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses twenty three and twenty four. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. See, that's, those two verses are, are one of the, the, uh, are, are the key verses when it comes to our understanding of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That God the Father, the God of peace, himself will sanctify us completely. So that our whole spirit and soul and body would be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He is faithful and he surely will do it. So if Paul, who wrote this, is saying that the God of peace himself will completely sanctify us. What does sanctify mean? Set apart for holy purposes. Make us holy, basically. Then what was Paul, the same guy, writing when he said to the Corinthians, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And see, that I, I, I was like, well, okay, let me, let me think through this, because, you know, if I'm supposed to be standing up here teaching and preaching, my job is to get, do it clearly and to, and to make sure that we're all on the same page when we walk out of here today. And so... 
help me, first of all, before I get started, help me just, you don't have to speak if you don't want to, but just raising of your hand. When you were, when you were first brought into the, the, the Christian life, did you or did you not, in your training, in your understanding, did you or did you not receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved? Yes or no? Yes, raise your hand. No, keep your hand up. Okay, when you got saved, when you first got saved, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Okay. In your teaching, did you receive the Holy Spirit after you got saved? Okay. See, this is, this is where there has been confusion for years and years and years and years and years. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to believe because that's between you and God. As your pastor, I'm going to help you and encourage you. But I don't want to sit here and, and say, oh, you're wrong. But hear, hear what I'm going to say. Okay? When I first came into the church, uh, it, it, the very first time I ever got exposed to holiness teaching was in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, I had been taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit before I became a member of the Church of the Nazarene. But when I first heard about, heard about living a holy life, trying to be pure and undefiled before the world, that was something I was taught when I came into the Church of the Nazarene. What I thought I was taught, and I, I can only say what I remember, was that the, the entire sanctification was a second work of grace of God in the life of the believer. Which means you come into relationship with God through faith, you enter in and you now are a child of God and your sins are forgiven and you are cleansed and you're walking in right relationship with God. And then at some point subsequent to that, you are then confronted with the fact that you have this body of sin. If you look at Romans chapter 7, it says, Oh, woe is me, who will rescue me from this body of sin, this desire to constantly go against what God would have for me. It's this, this struggle with temptation. Okay? Seems like no matter how hard I try, I always seem to struggle with him. And, and so we were taught, I was taught that this carnal nature was eradicated and no longer an issue. And I'm now sanctified holy. And it is a work of God and it's received by faith. And then I'm going to live, and this is what I believe, what I believe that I was taught. Then I will live from then on without any problems. I will no longer struggle with sin. I can live every single day from that point forward without sin. And in some vernacular, some teaching, um, even going back to the time of Wesley, because Wesley used these words, there was the terminology called Christian perfection. And it depends on who you talk to. Some people say, there's no way you can live perfectly. Living totally unsullied and unstained. Never sinning again. There's no way. And there are others who say, of course you can. Of course you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I have studied, as I have lived, as I have experienced what it means to have a walk with God that's real, vital, and growing, I've learned that A... When I got saved, I got all of God that I was ever going to get. God the Holy Spirit came at that moment and became a comforter, a paraclete of one that came alongside, who would help me, to, to who would guide me into all truth. So it's not like I can't have the Holy Spirit of God 
until some second work of God happens in my life. I have the Holy Spirit of God from the moment I'm in a right relationship with God. However, as a Christian who's walking in right relationship with God, there's still pepper floating all over the place on the surface of the water. And as I'm trying to live this holy life, as I'm trying to do what James chapter 1 verse 27 says, I'm trying to live a life that's pleasing to God, that my religion is faultless, my religion is unsullied, I'm doing good works, I'm showing love to God and the people around me, but I'm also, verse 27, keeping myself from being polluted by the world, not allowing this temp- these temptations to continually trip me up and cause me to, to sin. And see, that's what the holiness teaching means when it says there is this carnal nature that we've had from the time we were born. It's a result of the fall. It is this bent toward sinning. And even though we know the truth and we want to live the truth and we're doing all that we can to walk righteously before God and man, we still struggle as Christians with this bent towards wanting to sin. And so we understand and believe that God, the Holy Spirit, can cleanse that carnal nature from us. There is some people who will say, and it depends on what theologian you're talking to, and I'm even talking within the Church of the Nazarene. There are some who will say it's completely removed. There are some who say that it is made right. There are some who, I I heard a really cool example one many, many, many years ago by a young man that was part of our youth group, and he was actually part of our church board, if you remember him. And we were at a Tuesday night uh, Bible study out in town. There was a bunch of young guys and young ladies that were gathering together, all late teens and early 20s, and we were gathered in this apartment, and we were talking about this very thing. And what does it mean to have the carnal nature removed, corrected, and this person said, well, In my mind, I I see it kind of like it's a piano that's out of tune. And God, the master tuner, comes and tunes that, that string, and now it's perfectly in tune. And it can make beautiful music. And if it's not nurtured and not cared for and not take adjusted at times, if necessary, it'll go out of tune again. But as long as it's intentionally submitted to the touch of the master, it will stay in tune. And there will be beautiful music that's, and I was like, there's, there's some weakness there that I'm sure somebody could exploit, but the reality is for me, that makes a lot of sense. Because in my mind, when I said it was removed and I'm never going to sin again, well, what happens if I sin again? Was I never sanctified? Was I never baptized with the Holy Spirit? That doesn't work. But the reality is, is a lot of people experience, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, I'm walking in power, and I'm never going to sin again. And then they sin. And now the theology is just shot and out the window. So what does the scriptures say? Well, I just read you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. God, the God of peace himself, will entirely sanctify you. Through and through, he is faithful, he will do it. But at the same time, the same person writing instructions to people in the church, Paul in Corinthians said, 
We are to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And I don't see that as being in conflict with each other. What I see, and this is what I have been taught, and what I hopefully have taught over the years, is that you first come into relationship with God because you recognize that you're a sinner, and that you've got to make your life right before God, and you confess your sins, and he cleanses you and forgives you of your sins by the blood of Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God comes along inside of you and alongside of you to help you live that life. At some point, you realize... <coughs> you realize that you are not living a clean, holy, pure, unsullied, unpolluted life, even though you want to, because there's this struggle with temptation. And so you cry out to God saying, woe is me, who will rescue me from this body of death? I can't do it on my own. And the Holy Spirit of God will entirely sanctify you, will Make right that which is wrong by the, by, because of the fall. And you will then walk in this new, if you will, second work of grace that God has gifted you with. But then you have to continue to walk in this earth. Because you see, just because you get entirely sanctified doesn't mean that God zaps you and yeah, you're in heaven. You've still got another 10, 15, 20, 40, 70 years on this earth. How do you walk? And that's where this instruction comes from Paul in in 2 Corinthians. You are walking in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit. You have, the, 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 the carnal nature has been made right. But now it is your responsibility as a Christian who is baptized by the Holy Spirit of God to bring holiness to completion. By cleansing yourself from every defilement of body and spirit. One of the ways that I used to describe this to people who, young people especially who were asking about it, or people who were new to the faith. I I would say in, in, in my mind, God has said very clearly, this is the box in which I require all of my followers to live. And that box contains these ten commandments, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not take my name in vain. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not profane the Sabbath. You shall honor your mother and father. You shall not lie. You shall not uh, steal. You shall not commit murder. You shall not covet. And you shall not... What's the other one? I don't remember now. Off the top of my head, I, I got them out of order and I messed up. But anyway, but there's ten of them. This is the standard by which we must live. Jesus said, all of the law is summed up in this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But the reality is, there's this box of what you cannot do. God said, do not do this. If you don't do this, you'll be fine. If you do this, we got a problem. Well, what I tell people is, if I want to live a holy life, unsullied by the world, unpolluted, then I want to set my barrier, my fence, Farther, farther away than that area that I'm not supposed to get into. Does it make sense? If I know that I'm not supposed to go into the kitchen, because in the kitchen is where all death is going to be for me, 
then I'm going to make sure I don't even cross the hallway. I'll stay in the living room. Does that make sense? I intentionally set up a barrier for myself. You guys have heard me say this before. I'll tell you one of my own issues is, um, is I do not go to movies, period. End of discussion. It is just something that I made a vow to God over before. I did go to movies for many, many years. But then at some point I felt like it was something that God said to me, you don't do. Now, can other Christians go to movies? Yes. There's nothing wrong with going to movies per se. But I have a standard, a barrier, if you will, that this is what I have set for myself so that I don't go Because I'm not telling you that I used to go to movies that had no business going to as a Christian. I'm not just talking R-rated, I'm talking X-rated. I, as a Christian, would go to adult movie houses. I didn't have the restraint in my life to be able to not do that. And so I said, I'm not going anymore. You know, one of the ones that convinced me, honestly, one of the movies that convinced me that I'm not going to movies anymore, the movie Oh God with George Burns, for those of you who are old enough to remember it. Because that was all about God. And I got so convicted sitting in that movie theater going, I can't watch this. I just can't watch. And it was like this holy thing came on me and I was like, I can't do this. And it's the same thing with other areas of my life. I do not drink alcohol. I don't sip alcohol. I don't, I don't have alcohol as any part of my life. Does that mean that Christians can't drink alcohol? No. It means I have a barrier that I have put in place for myself because I have a propensity towards, uh, towards addiction. I have a propensity towards drunkenness. And so I don't even allow it to cross my lips. Because I want to live in such a way that my life is honoring and pleasing to God at all times. I do not want to take any opportunity to sully what, I, what God has done in my life. And so as a result, I have set the barrier even farther back than what God has set. So in my mind, as I'm reading this, God, the, the God of peace sanctifies me. God is the one that does the actual cleansing. I do the maintenance, if you will. Does that make sense? I'm the one in, in, that, that's bringing my holiness to completion in these years from the time I'm sanctified until the time that I'm glorified, I'm in the presence of God. Those years, it's my job to continue the maintenance of my relationship with Jesus. I have to guard against any temptation taking over. I have to set up barriers to make sure that God's lot, God is being honored in my life, that I am not allowing the enemy to have access to my life. And it is all part of what it means to live a holy life. See, when I first read those words, bringing holiness to completion, my first thought was, but it's whole already. God already completely, entirely sanctified me. So what am I doing to bring it to completion? And in my mind, what I think I'm hearing Paul say here is that I'm supposed to be walking in holiness until the day comes that I'm no longer walking on this earth. It's not a once and you're done thing. It's not, okay, I'm sanctified. Now I can live however I want because I'm sanctified. 
It's the same way with somebody saying, well, I was saved when I was eight years old, so now I can live however I want because it's all covered by the blood. I don't see that that's how our relationship with God works. Yes, I have to initially enter into this right relationship with God, but I have to continue to walk in that right relationship with God on a daily basis. I have to read his word. I have to pray. I can't just say, well, I prayed when I was eight years old. He heard me and I, nothing's changed between him and me since then. That's, that's not how it works. It's every day you talk to God. Every day you read his word. Every day you look for ways to bring honor to him. Every day you look for opportunities to share your faith. That's what it means to be Christian. And when, it, when we say we are holiness Christians, what it means is my, go, my goal is to not just do good things, but my goal is to keep myself from being polluted. To live in such a way that I can literally lay my head on the pillow at the end of the day and go, I didn't sin a single lick today. Now, does that mean I can't sin? No. It means it's possible to not sin by the power of God's Holy Spirit as I walk in obedience the 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 uh, theological terms the the terms that that I'm taught when I was in Bible college and when I went through my master's program just so you'll know that I did a little bit of study it's called initial sanctification when you get saved it's called entire sanctification when God cleanses you of the carnal nature it's called progressive sanctification this 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, where I'm bringing my holiness to completion. I'm walking day by day. I'm setting up the barriers. That's progressive sanctification. And then there's finally glorification. When I walk into the throne room of God and I'm in his presence forever and forever. So each one of us, if we're in right relationship with God, are at some stage in our relationship. We are either initially sanctified sanctified, and hopefully someday going to be entirely sanctified or we are entirely sanctified which happens in an instant and now we are progressively being sanctified. We are, we are walking in this holiness that God has called us to until the time comes when we get taken off the earth and we then are glorified. So, does anybody have any questions about what we've talked about this morning? Does it make sense to you? I, I, I'm serious. I wanted this to be more teaching than preaching. And I want to make sure that when we walk out of here, you got a clear understanding of what, what it means to live holy. Yes, it's God's job to make us holy. But it's also our job to remain holy. Make sense? All right. Well, let's pray.